Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here, as always, with my glorious, wonderful <laughs> home building, not building, home renovating, renovating, redoing everything co-host Kate Bischoff. Kate, how are you today? Well, today I have a little less paint on myself. So normally this first week in August, I take a big trip. So last year I was in Norway. The year before that, I had taken my children to Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. And because we can't go anywhere and we are a pariah amongst nations, I decided to paint my entire house. So every interior wall in my house has been painted over the last 10 days. So, And I've been watching the pictures on Twitter and, <laughs> and social and like, looks great. Thank you. You seem uh, beyond competent at the home renovation, whereas, like, <laughs> if I touch a paintbrush, I just, everything gets all, mm -mm, it looks bad. Uh, there, there's been a significant amount of paint. There's been a significant amount of, on me, on my children. <laughs> uh, yes. So we have been very, very busy. But, you know, it's, it's that time of year, and I've been looking at these four walls for the past five, seven, six months, and you know what? They needed to be changed. So here we are. How are you doing? I'm good. I've been super busy. That's why, like, good. anybody who follows the hostile work environment social media account is like, do you guys, are you guys still there? Do you do? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I we just, you know, I think unexpectedly I got a lot busier, a lot faster starting out on my own for the last couple months. I've been pretty pleased about that. Uh, I hope it stays that way. I have a couple of, couple of big gigs coming up so uh looks like, looks like work will be good through the fall but um uh you know i've been it's the weather's nice the days are still long enough uh i i i read like as soon as as soon as it hits like you know the middle of june and you've hit the longest day and the days start getting shorter to me that just i don't like it i like the days getting oh. longer i don't like them getting shorter no, no, no. I go to bed at nine o'clock every night. And so this light up way late is like, gosh, dang it, go down. I want to go to bed. Oh, all right. Well, okay. So, I mean, we're both pretty far north. So yeah, we get the yeah. light for a long period of time. For me, I'd rather have it stay light later at night though than getting light out at four in the morning, which it does in the middle of the summer. <laughs> um, so we're actually in that sweet spot right now where it's not too, too early and not too late. But by, you know, two months from now, you know, uh, the days will be several hours shorter and <laughs> winters, winters this far north. It's like you get four hours of sunlight if you're lucky. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I get, I love being, I love being outside in the winter. Like, I just adore it. This 80% humidity and 90 degree temperatures, ugh, not my fave. I much rather be outside in snowshoes and all bundled up. So, I'm ready. I'll, I'll I'm just, ready for fall. I'll just say summer's in Portland. You should summer in Portland. You can do it. <laughs> no humidity, 80 degrees. It's it's the best place on earth in the summer. The rest of the okay. year, I mean, it's pretty rainy, but 
you know, and we don't we don't get that cold most of the time. Anyway, yeah. um, now that our listeners have listened to like 10 minutes of us talking about our homes and the weather, because really, we're, we're not just trying to fill time here. Uh, we were joking beforehand, everyone like, this is going to be the the slacker hostile work episode we do have some stories to talk about today but yeah. i think i think between the two of us i think our prep time was pretty minimal because mm-hmm. i just logged on about 30 minutes ago to <laughs> find some stuff to talk about um so we're gonna we're gonna basically talk about three news stories of the past week uh that have come up mm-hmm. and then i actually have dun, 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 a listener story i received Woo! i received three listener stories this past week uh, uh, so two of them are actually usable. One of them was really long, and then it was followed by an apology that said, uh, "So I've sobered up, and maybe you shouldn't use that." <laughs> and That's I appreciate awesome. I appreciate that on both ends of it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, it was it was a doozy of a story, but um, probably not for public consumption. But uh, the other ones we got are pretty fantastic. Also. Uh, and should encourage all of you who are listening, and I know there's plenty of you out there because we are hitting roughly a thousand downloads per episode in a month yeah. after 30 days. So we are we're, we're doing pretty well, and we know you're listening. So send us some stories, hwepodcast at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to jump in here with the first two stories. Then Kate's got a story, and then then we got our listener story. Uh, we're going to start off with the University of Alabama. In particular, it's roll tide, right? I'm rolling tide. I think I always get my I always get my college mascots. Yep, I think we roll tide. I think that's roll tide. All right. So, uh, and in particular, the Capstone College of Nursing, which is part of the University of Alabama, uh, their dean, uh, this was July 30th, sent out an email to their entire listserv. I'm just going to read it. It's not too long. Uh, hello, everyone. As we are preparing to launch another exciting year at the Capstone, we are acutely aware of the unexpected challenges that we are all working through to get back to work. One of those challenges may be pertinent, and this is bolded, in the original, I believe, may be especially pertinent for those of you with school-aged children. That's the bold part. Dun, dun, dun. As the different school systems are announcing, this is underlined, delayed openings, or remote learning for part of the year. We know that this requires you to make creative plans for how to meet your family's needs while also returning to work at CCN. I appreciate that many of you with young families have a history of working as a team to support each other, and I applaud those who have reached out to UA students in the nursing, education, and other departments to hire help with caregiving and teaching your children. Since many college students have reduced incomes or resources during the pandemic, there seems to be greater interest in this type of work. While we all wish that this would just go away, we also know that this wish is not our reality. Our reality is that we have contractual obligations to provide specific educational experiences for our students. And in order to do that, we must have faculty who are able to be here. We wish that we had unlimited abilities to flex schedules and quote unquote make it work. For everyone, but this is just not the case, especially when it comes to clinical supervision of nursing students. Our obligations have not changed, yet our resources are reduced, and our number of clinical students has increased 
since many were not able to complete their planned clinicals during the summer. As we prepare for our students to return in a few short weeks, we need to have a clear understanding of your intention and ability to, and this is bold and underlined, your intention and ability to meet your teaching obligations at CCN. If you anticipate that you will not be able to return to work at CCN and fulfill your teaching assignments as planned, bold it again, we need you to let us know by August 7th, 2020, so mm. that we have time to hire a new faculty member to replace you. <gasps> Please know that we appreciate all that you bring to CCN, and if we had other options, we would use them. But again, our wishes are not our reality. So. Employment Lawyer Kate. This is a fantastic, mm -hmm. perfect email that is appropriately responding to challenges that we all have and all businesses are facing in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> and uh, there's no reason why I would read that on an employment law podcast, right? Of course. It, it's absolutely a okay, not kosher, actually. Holy moly. <laughs> Uh, so you need to be able to do your job or we're going to replace you. There's going to be no, it doesn't seem like that they are going to be cognizant of taking care of families, being flexible. They made it through, and, I'm, and let me put it this way. People made it through March, April, May, June of college, preferably, maybe just three of those months. and it, it worked. They, you know, the person now acknowledges at the front that they made it work at the beginning, but now we're not going to be flexible anymore. That seems to be a little harsh. And while I'm not familiar with the ins and outs of Alabama law specifically, I can't imagine that this is going to not generate some sort of litigation, particularly around family, uh, mothers taking care of kids because of sex plus allegations under Title VII, I think. What do you think? I agree. I mean, and I also think, you know, just FMLA, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is saying if you can't come to work, you're gone. Well, you know, I might have, you know, family leave needs that this that would be covered by FMLA. And they're yeah. basically saying, yeah, no, you don't get to do that. Now, I mean, <laughs> they don't say that explicitly. And I'm sure that they would have a lawyer that would say, well, if somebody has, right, but this is basically saying, and because they highlight school-aged children, yep. right, and distance learning, right, that, that to me is, is code for saying, like, if you have kids and you can't come to work, you're, you're SOL, sorry. Mm -hmm. At best, it just seems tone deaf to the needs of families. At right. worst, I think it's, it violates the law. Right, well. Potentially. Potentially. I mean, your child would have to have some sort of serious medical condition in order to qualify for FMLA to provide that school-age children piece of it, because that's just how the FMLA works. And the University of Alabama definitely has more than 500 employees. The Families for Coronavirus Act doesn't, won't doesn't apply. apply. So it's, it's going to be that, that cobbling kind of together of sex plus under right. Title Seven and maybe FMLA. Um, but it's going, to, it's going to be really difficult. I'm sure there's a network of plaintiff's attorneys who are already like, who teaches at this school? So, yeah. I, I, I'm wondering how and if that went through any sort of legal review ahead oh, of time. Oh, gosh, no. 
I don't know any attorney who loved bolding and underlining together at the same time. Right, so, especially, especially when it when it when it has something to do with, in some states at least, a protected class. Maybe yeah. not Alabama, but you know, parents of children can be in some <laughs> areas a protected class. So, uh, in any event, uh, that was that was example number one of of perhaps some, uh, not great communication <laughs> and potentially exposing you to litigation and at, at worst and at best just comes across sounding really tone deaf your employees mm-hmm. all right story two l'oreal usa <laughs> i think we're all we're all familiar with l'oreal uh they are they're, they're much bigger than i kind of had anticipated they got eleven thousand employees yeah yeah uh they are in a push to return employees back to the office and as this article I'm reading, it says it's put a lot of employees in an uncomfortable situation. Those employees Mm -hmm. who wish to remain working from home uh, for whatever reason must provide access to their medical record in order order for any accommodations from the company to be considered. Uh, This is according to beauty watchdog Instagram account, Estee Laundry, (laughs) which I think is... Is genius. Now, they, this actually gets rolled back a little bit. So before you before you jump too far, uh, the post, which was published about a week ago, shows the form that L'Oreal employees can sign that would quote uh, release information regarding any physical or mental limitations that may affect their ability to safely perform work during the pandemic, which they must fill out if they wish to remain working from home. Now, a spokesperson for L'Oreal noted that the company, quote, does not ask for any employee's actual medical records or details of a medical diagnosis. Any employee seeking a medical exemption from returning to in-office work is required to provide verification from their physician. In most instances, a doctor's note is sufficient verification. Okay, so that's better than what it sounded like. Better than what it sounded like, for sure. Right, The, the request form includes the release of medical information. The spokesperson added, any confidential information shared by employees is managed by a third-party provider in conjunction with HIPAA-trained HR professionals who determine eligibility for medical exemptions from returning to in-office work. Kate, you're shaking your head. Why would you shake your head? First, HIPAA doesn't apply. L'Oreal does not provide medical services, so HIPAA doesn't apply. So here the PR person is saying they're... The HR people are HIPAA trained, which is just, it's not relevant. Two, if it's managed by a third party, then nobody in management or HR is actually making the decision that this exemption will actually apply to you. It's going to be the third party if that's actually how they're going to do it. So in reality, that's not how they do it. The medical information comes in, then it gets sent to the third party. So there's there's a whole bunch of this is not real life PR person. You need to spend more time with how this actually goes. However, the PR person did talk to somebody in legal to say uh, that we are going to not share confidential information, that we're only going to be getting a doctor's note. Like somebody in legal did provide that advice. Just the rest of it was kind of not based in reality. So scaled back, but still doesn't necessarily sound like they know exactly what they're talking about. I I think for a lot of the world, and I've been guilty of this in the past as well, you know, you conflate or confuse HIPAA with just confidentiality generally. And the ADA requirements. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yep, yep. But we should step back for a second because why are they going back to the office? Well, and the article doesn't get into that. And I, I, you know, again, I, I've, I've heard of lots of employers that are trying to get everybody back into the office for office jobs that they were doing from home. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Uh, I can I, see for some roles, right? Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, folks that are that really are team based, maybe sales, those kinds of jobs. Like, I think I'm, I'm seeing that there's a lot of legitimate justification to bring folks back in but for most jobs and most roles that are office based why Mm -hmm. yeah why and uh, so stop me if i've said this before but because i feel like i say it every day for my clients we're trying to evaluate what is necessary and what is convenient and very few things are actually necessary to have people back in the office they're just way convenient and the most cautious the safest thing to do is to only require the people who need to be there to be there so i i would push back and think i get that you're missing some part of the camaraderie some part of the water cooler talk some part of bouncing ideas off each other by not being in an office together but i don't think we're at a point where that is the safest method and if it's just convenient for leadership to have everybody there so they can see that everybody's working that's not great and your employees are going to tell you that in either out loud or by leaving you so that's my feeling again you're not going to get an argument from me <laughs> uh the i don't know i i i don't get it i notwithstanding that that we both agree like l'oreal why are you bringing all of these office employees mm-hmm. back to the office interestingly the article gets into and they actually quote both a management side employment lawyer and plaintiff's employment lawyer. Should I read you that part? Yes, please. I can't wait till I disagree with the management side attorney because they seem to do it all the time. (laughs) All right. So according to Helen Rella, an employment and labor lawyer at Wilk Auslander, L'Oreal is perfectly within its rights to request access to medical information from its employees who are requesting to stay at home. Rella explained that it is up to an employer to set the terms and conditions of employment, which includes where the job is physically carried out. Since statewide restrictions and stay-at-home orders have been lifted, employees have technically been required to come back into work if their job demands it and could be subject to termination if they refuse. However, the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, which prohibits employment discrimination based on disabilities, allows employees with underlying medical conditions that put them at a higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19 to request accommodations from their employers, which includes working from home. In the event an employee makes this type of request, the employer has a legal right to ask for pertaining, I would say pertinent, medical certification and records in order to justify any accommodation. Quote, employee medical records are considered highly confidential and an employer may only request information related to the state of disability and needs for an accommodation and may not request, generally request all medical records of the employee, said Rella. Uh, The practice of releasing medical information to one's employer during the process of requesting workplace accommodations has been the norm in employment law for some time, but the pandemic is making situations like these a lot more common across a variety of workplaces, Rella said. Quote, we have never seen a situation like this before with anticipated mass applications for disability-based accommodations. 
Rella said, employees and employers are encouraged to work together in an interactive process to address the situation and keep the workforce functioning. Ah, there's a difference between holding your HR team to the strictest rules of the law and doing the best for employees that you can. Ms. Rella, with all due respect, is staying to the strictest bounds of the ADA. And I think that that does a disservice to employees because it makes them skeptical about how much medical information do you need? Whereas I think the more progressive and more human-focused HR teams are looking at, can you just give me a doctor's note so I can document this? I don't need a lot of information. And in fact, the EEOC doesn't even require you to give me a diagnosis. So I just need a little bit. That's all I need. We'll give you the accommodation. The strictest form. Yeah. She's not technically wrong. No. But, I mean, I think we already, we've already previewed or previewed. We've already said (laughs) that they're not taking the best human approach here simply by asking everybody to return to the office whether they really need to or not. So we're already kind of past that. So if you Mm -hmm. are going to require everybody to come back to the office in this kind of circumstance, probably this is, as you said, the strictest interpretation. Uh, The most you can do, probably not what you should do. Now, interestingly, they also quote some plaintiff attorneys, Jackie Voronov and Jeffrey Dates, labor and employment attorneys at Hall Booth Smith PC, uh, said that while L'Oreal's documents are not inherently illegal or unethical, they could lead to issues for the company at a later time. Mm-hmm. You could quote, you could sue somebody based on a perceived disability, and questionnaires like this can put you into a lawsuit on a perception of an Americans with Disabilities Act violation. So it's a very sensitive and delicate issue. Yep, I agree with them too. It, I mean, having all of that information creates the perception of disability. The other part that uh, Ms. Rella doesn't talk about is that who wants to be bothering a doctor for a doctor's note right now? I don't. And so I'm very confused as to why um, me telling my manager or telling human resources, you know what, I have pretty bad asthma and I'm afraid of coming to the office and catching COVID while I'm transiting there or while I'm there. And because I'm at high risk. I don't see somebody saying, well, we're not going to let you work from home unless you get us a doctor's note. When doctors are very busy right now, I don't, I don't want to be bothering them. So again, we take different approaches than L'Oreal is here about what is a human-centric HR team and that getting the doctor's note and keeping the documentation is not that. Yeah, and to be fair to Ms. Rella here, she's probably being asked for a quote about a specific situation and not being asked to opine on whether what they're doing is right or good just whether it's legal or not and so so i don't want to i don't want to say that she's she's missed the mark here when we don't really know what was asked of her Mm -hmm. uh to be fair right she's giving a pure legal analysis and it's not it's not incorrect we just don't think it tells the whole story uh which may or may not be what they asked her so right right agreed okay those are are my two stories are you what, ready what for you, a real hostile work environment story? Like I, super duper hostile? I, I, yeah. I mean, it's what we made the podcast for. <laughs> okay. So I should let you know, I am a huge fan of NBC University. Okay. 
I have watched their shows. I have been, I, as a kid, NBC was my favorite channel and I only got four channels growing up. So I, I almost exclusively watched NBC. We both, I, we both just dated ourselves here by saying we only had four channels. <laughs> Well, there was cable when I was growing up, but still, I, we didn't have it. And I guess we lived way out in the boonies. So I didn't have, I didn't see anything else. My first music video, I think I saw when I was 17. Okay. So real bad. Okay. Sheltered. Mm -hmm. Sheltered self for life. Now I'm watching WAP all the time. Uh, NBC has had some significant problems over the past four years. We had NBC. Really? News. I haven't heard of anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? The news division. I mean, there is both Matt Lauer and then Ronan Farrow. And like, not that Ronan Farrow was harassing anybody. He wasn't. But him telling the story of Harvey Weinstein, like how NBC was trying to cover it up. I highly recommend Catching Hill, both the book and the podcast. Amazing. Okay. So that tells that story. We got Matt Lauer. We got there's stuff around Ronan. I mean, and the Matt Lauer stuff was pretty. I mean, like, didn't he? I, oh. I, recall, I mean, that's a few years ago. I think we did an episode on it way back, but like, like he had like a button on his desk yes, that yes. remotely locked the door so whoever yep. was in his office couldn't get out. Yep. 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 That's, that's, my, that's my favorite insane. fact. And, and the Matt Lauer stuff, like, the NBC gets the letter on Sunday. They have fired Matt by Wednesday. And everybody's like, well, he didn't get due process. Well, if you read his statement about his termination, he admits to some of the conduct in the statement. So they didn't need to give him more due process. That He admitted, we're done. We're moving on, okay? Uh, also, highly recommend The Morning Show. Awesome TV show, okay? Based loosely, I think, on Matt Lauer. So now we get over to the entertainment division, which is a different division. It's not housed in New York. I believe it is housed in L.A., and we get an allegation coming from America's Got Talent and Gabby Union talking about how she experienced racist remarks, misogyny, a whole bunch of bad behavior, including some threats from the head of NBC Entertainment, Paul, P-E-L-E-G-D-Y. Um, and I read recently that you can't make fun of people who mispronounce things because they learned it by reading. And so give me grace. I read this. Uh, Ledgy? I don't know. So he. So Yostemite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thailand. Thailand. <laughs> Land of thighs. Did you say. You, yes, you I, I did see. I mean, like, does anybody say I'm going out for thai food? <laughs> I mean, I like chicken thighs. Yes, I think. <laughs> it might be Christy Teigen. She, she eats a lot of thighs. I, let me tell you. Okay. So. We digress. We, yes, we digress. So we get to the investigation into what's going on at America's Got Talent. And that spreads throughout NBC Entertainment, including into the reality division. Um, because the people talked about what was happening in the reality division as some of the worst behavior that they've ever seen like it is i mean isn't that just so fitting it, yeah well that the worst yeah. behavior is in the reality division anyway as if the rest of us live in not reality right Sorry. well well so paul t you know I, 
the biggest producers of NBC are Dick Wolf and uh, Laura Michael. And both of those two individuals have a bad relationship with Paul C. So that one, that should be a little bit that of a should sign. tell you something. Yeah. And two, Late Night was handled by someone else who reported to Paul T's boss, not directly to Paul T. So there are, if just look at the organizational chart, you can see that there are signs that there are problems because if these people should be reporting to him, but they're reporting to other people, that is a sign of something's not right right here. Like from an organizational chart, there's a, there's a problem. Like at least that's why I always ask for an org chart whenever I do an investigation, because I can see mm -hmm. where there might be structural issues, right? And so we have unacceptable racial and sensitive comments, misogyny, we have threats, calling Sharon Osborne a fucking witch, uh, threatening her. We've got a whole bunch of problems throughout the entire place. And then the reality division, uh, there's homophobia as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So the investigation is still ongoing, but they pushed Paul T out before the end of the investigation. Amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And but That's not good. really, not really uncommon. It is not uncommon for the potential subject of the investigation to once they're to the point where they're going to be interviewed to resign instead of being interview i mean that's been my experience what about you oh absolutely i'm act I actually just had it happen in the last couple of months that you know i was conducting an investigation getting along i was about to interview the subject of the investigation i resigned <laughs> yep and that is not necessarily a sign that the person is guilty but maybe that that's a sign that they don't think they can continue to have credibility within the organization. I don't want to say, although there is plenty of evidence here that Paul T was not in a good place and not necessarily a good person based on these allegations from lots of different people. I mean, this is not just Gabrielle Union. This is not just Cheryl Osborne. This is a lot of people who come forward, at least in the Hollywood Reporter article from July 31, that this was a lot of people. But if you're being investigated, your credibility and your authority to run things does get hampered. So I would expect that not only is the behavior bad enough, but he's not going to be able to run that organization either. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a whole host of reasons why, but none of them necessarily reflect particularly well on him uh, mm -hmm. for why he'd resign in that circumstance. A question that I would have, uh, and I don't know a, a ton about this situation is how long was he in role and how long was this going on for and with everything else going on at NBC Universal uh, we went through the, mm -hmm. the cast of characters and history how did this not come out earlier if it was going on for a long time you know I would have I would have wanted or hoped that that everything else going on would have had like that that effect of uh, my, my words are failing me right now but you know, <laughs> just you know a snowball effect of of kind of identifying all of the all of the bad actors in the organization at least at least the ones at this level and and with this level of conduct and it didn't get there and i'm curious kind of if if we have any information about why why this was different why it took longer why well so he was in the reality vision starting in 2009 and he became chairman of nbc universal entertainment in 2018 
um, Gabrielle Union filed a complaint with California's Fair Employment Office on June 4th. And so this has all got back into the public sphere based upon that complaint that she filed. She had been very vocal about what had happened uh, the previous end, not this last end of AGP, but, or AGP, but the last one. And so I, this has been ongoing for, I want to say at least like nine months or so, but her filing the complaint pushes it back into the public sphere and we have this investigation ongoing. So, so, so again, it's, it's, it, this doesn't reflect well on NBC in that regard, mm -hmm. that no. they waited until there's a public issue before they took their action, before they engaged in their investigation and, and, and actually did something about it. Uh, as opposed right. to when they heard or knew that there was an issue, as you say, at least nine months or a year ago. So, mm -hmm. yep. Be so better be, than that. <laughs> be better than that. I want to watch your shows. I like your shows. I'm thankful that you saved one of my favorite shows, um, which is going to be really weird this year. But well, what show is that? Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think oh. it's going to be in a post office this year. That's what I'm hoping. It's the post of police, <laughs> police precinct. It'd be difficult to watch a police precinct show, I think, this year. But that's neither here nor there. The other part of this investigation that I think bears discussing is that while Paul T is at the head of entertainment, we have one particular group run by a woman named Meredith AHR. And Meredith, that's the reality division. Then we see the behavior Wait, trickle Meredith down. AHR? Yeah. I'd, that's how her last name is. Oh, spelled. her last name is A-H-R? Yeah, that's how it's spelled. Like R? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, I just was Again. like, <laughs> I just thought you Again. were saying, like, it's Meredith A in HR. Oh! We're an no, HR no, no, podcast. No. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's. <laughs> no, no, no. That's her, her last name is spelled A. You're just spelling the last name. Got it. Yes. So we see this behavior trickle down amongst everything. And that's when I do investigations. I see a lot of that behavior, particularly if the target or the subject of my investigation is behavior from up top, where you see bad behavior from the CEO or whoever is leading the organization, and then it trickles down into the other parts of it, where disrespectful behavior by the CEO, then you see a mid-level manager engage, engaging in similar behavior, and that kind of snowball. So it's really important to understand that it Behavior stems from the top. We always under, we always try to say you have to get the buy-in from the top if you're trying to improve your culture, but that it is a systemic issue when you have leadership engaging in that. Yeah. So that's NBC. Fascinating. I, I think somebody's going to write a book about what has happened at NBC Universal over the past four years, and I'm going to read it in one city. I can just see I'm going to dedicate a Sunday to it, and it's going to be fascinating. I, it's interesting that you have felt such an affinity for NBC. Like, I don't feel like I've got any particular <laughs> network or I just, I have just random shows I watch that don't really have anything to do with that branding. Oh, no, I, I, I watch the Cosby show. I watch, you know, like the must watch TV friends. Yep. I watched it all. I, I don't even remember what's from what network. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I remember that. I don't know what was what was like Full House and what, was those all ABC? I think those were all those ABC. were ABC. Yeah, those yeah. were ABC. Didn't watch. Full I, House I remember. Girl. I remember those. Yeah. No, look at you. Don't have an affinity to a particular no, channel. No, my, my so. I have very divided loyalty. 
Okay, so let's talk listener story. Uh, listener story, hooray. All right. Uh, so while working for Megacorp in the early 80s, I love that. It sounds like a law school hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a friend who was an attractive single woman. Love stories go that just start that way, right? Gonna go bad, yep. She and I were good friends and spent a lot of time together. She was assigned to a project team for a while that involved some travel and work with a team of engineers, almost all male, that did a lot of social things together as part of their project planning time. Two of the men were both attracted to her and began asking her for dates. Now we're in the 80s. Began, began asking her for dates? Like I guess that's a process, in the, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you once, you say no. Yeah, I'm going to ask you again, you say okay. no. And eventually, like after time 400, it's like, will you just shut up? Okay, fine. Uh, well, let's let's put this way. Women, I, I'm assuming a single attractive woman might not say no. She might brush it off to not create problems. She's just going to brush it off. That's my, that's right. what I anticipate would happen. Yeah. So there's right. not a clear no. Okay. It, right. I just as began asking her, it doesn't say what she said. Okay. Uh, she and Ty, uh, sorry, she enjoyed time with one of them, but found the other to be kind of weird. Maybe eccentric would be a better word. For example, he tried to bring his philosophy study into the project, asking the team to spend some time learning about Eastern religions as it could lead to a simpler design of their project and perhaps more Earth-friendly. Okay. Maybe. Having an Earth-friendly design project sounds pretty good, but I don't know if that would fly in the early 80s. One night, several of the team members went to dinner together, including these three. After dinner, they headed over to the bar, which means, of course, that this did not go well. Mm -hmm. By the end of the evening, the two guys ended up in a fist fight in the parking lot, with both receiving some scars and bruises that they could not exactly hide. That, and the fact that there were other several, sorry, several other team members who saw the fight, and the restaurant was a frequent destination for groups from this megacorp, led to a need to investigate the situation. My friend was called in to be questioned about what she saw as part of a complete investigation. She was expecting to be asked about how it started. Did she see anything specific? Can she say for certain how it grew to a physical fight? And similar questions. Doesn't, that's not what happened. That would be logical. Said, but- right. She sat down across from a corporate attorney. He had his yellow pad in front of him, and it was clear he had spoken to many people before. He asked the kinds of questions she expected, and she relayed the events as best as she could recall. Then he says, so, how does this all feel to you? She looked at him and said, I don't know what you mean. Well, I've spoken to several people so far, and it seems as though you are at the center of this argument between these two. It must feel kind of good to have this attention. (gasps) Two men willing to literally fight over you. (sighs) Now, my friend was very strong personally. The early 80s was still a time, at this megacorp anyway, that did not include many women in leadership roles and not many in professional roles such as she had. So So she said, how I might feel about this has nothing to do with this situation, right? Good, Good job, good job. You were part of the situation. 
I'm trying to understand how these two guys, who are both respected in their history with the company, ended up doing something so unexpected from either of them. She sat for a minute and eventually replied, If you're telling me that I am being considered for some sort of discipline action as a result of this, you can be sure that my attorney will be in quick contact. Do you have any more questions to me about what transpired between these two adult men? I like her. Yeah, me too. That essentially brought an end to the meeting. Shortly after, one of the men was removed from the project, the eccentric one. Of course, it was portrayed as if he was being reassigned due to a need for his expertise on another project. Fast forward about one year. She and the other guy did have a relationship and got married. He was, okay. eventually, he was eventually offered another position at a different location. He asked about any opportunity for his spouse, who was also an employee, given that the location they were moving to included the corporate office. As it turned out, they had nothing to offer her. And Megacorp frequently did move carried, uh, married co-workers to two new jobs. I spoke to her about a year after this, and she was still bitter about how she was treated initially and about how essentially the two guys' careers were essentially unimpacted by their behavior that was contrary to code of conduct, and she was essentially left as the cause of the problem. Disclaimer, uh. I wasn't there for the fight. I wasn't in the interview with the company lawyer. But I did believe it happened pretty much like this. I'd like to think that this couldn't happen today, but I'm sure it does. Uh, Doesn't no. leave you feeling great? No, about my profession and about my colleagues in this profession. Well, I mean, the company and how they treated it in the end. And yeah, exactly. I mean, and I... I like her. I like that she's standing up for herself in, in that setting. and Especially in that time. Right. And especially doing it so in a, a relatively respectful way. Like, she's standing up for herself. She's not saying, are you making me? Like, she, she's doing it well. Um, but in the 1980s, I feel bad that all of that happened while I was watching Law and Order. Um, but, yeah, not, no good. No good. Yeah. Well, on that uplifting. <laughs> no, maybe we should read the stories at the beginning if they're not. <laughs> then we no, can talk I... ab about bad companies as more uplifting <laughs> than the sad stories we get. Yes. Yes. No. If... But that was it. That was a great story. If you if you all have other stories, please send them in. We would love to read them and dissect them and make fun of corporate attorneys from the 1980s. So right. that's that's do. where the pleasure is now 30 or 40 <laughs> years later is you can you can go in and and hopefully everybody's moved past it because it was it was that long ago and you can still mock the bad actors uh mm -hmm. in a way that feels good mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yes awesome well mark i have to do a last minute finishing up of my project here so i'm gonna let you go oh where can okay. we find you? you you can find me on twitter you make it sound like I was trying to drag this out. No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Salad Pants. She really does like talking to me, everyone. I do, uh, I do. And, and the podcast at HWE Podcast on Twitter. And send us your stories, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Kate, how about you? I'm on the Twitter, the K8Fish, B 
P-I-S-C-H, or LinkedIn or anywhere really. It's not hard to find me unless I'm busy painting my house and then I might not respond very quickly, but that's just the way it is. Well, get back to it. You don't have enough paint <laughs> on you. Not enough today. Yep. Okay. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.